Isaac, can you present your patient? Okay, this woman is an 83-year-old. You all have old patients. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is the community. This is Florida. This, yes. is, Florida. this, is, the, uh, this yes. is the real world. I was telling them in the think tank, you know. All right, I interrupted you, so like go ahead. It seems like a third of your patients are over age 80. I've had everyone that's over age 80 here. <laughs> so this is a woman who in June of 03 came to see me for a palpable left neck mass. The biopsy was read as a monoclonal B-cell lymphoproliferative disorder, immunophenotyping demonstrated a weak CD5, a CD10 negative, and the differential diagnosis at that point was marginal zone versus SLL slash CLL, less likely mantle cell. The initial staging showed that the patient had diffuse lymphadenopathy by CT. PET scan showed diffuse hypermetabolic activity. Interestingly, on exam, her exam was essentially unremarkable. Her baseline labs were normal, including normal serum LDH. And so initially, I opted to observe her and follow her closely. Approximately a year later, she represented with new cervical and bilateral axillary lymphadenopathy. And then unfortunately, at that point, the patient was lost to follow-up. She returned a couple of years later with increasing cervical and axillary lymphadenopathy, was re-biopsied. There were some issues with the pathology, and it was sent to Nancy Harris at Mass General, who made the diagnosis of mantle cell lymphoma. So now at this point, again, the patient was restaged. She had diffuse disease both by CT and by PET. Performance status? Yeah. Can you just describe her performance status? On performance status was good. Renal and cardiac. Yeah, good cardiac function, good renal function. I usually don't discriminate by age. But I was a little gun-shy to treat her the way we would treat a younger patient with mantle cell. And so I treated her with RCHOP at that point. She completed six cycles with a complete response, including a negative PET-CT, and did well until about 15 to 16 months later when she presented with a new cervical mass. And again, widespread disease on PET-CT. So at this point, then I made the decision, obviously, given her age, there were limitations, things that obviously we can't consider. So I treated her with fludarabine, novantrone, and dex with rituxan. And she completed five cycles of this regimen with a complete response. My goal was to give her a sixth cycle, but she was hospitalized. She was having problems with neutropenia, with cytopenias in general, despite use of growth factors. So she, it was a mutual decision to stop after five cycles. She wanted to stop, and I really felt that she was too run down to get any more chemotherapy. So she was doing well, but she was pancytopenic at the time and currently remains pancytopenic. Her only site of disease is on follow-up bone marrow. She has a few cyclin-D1 positive cells in the bone marrow. Otherwise, she's doing well. And her blood counts, you said she's pancytopenic. Just how severe is that? White count in the 1,500 to 2,000 range, ANC in the 600 to 800 range, very mild anemia, and platelet count ranging between 60 and 80,000. Normal LDH, and otherwise, you know, doing okay. Very functional, asymptomatic, and I'm just waiting. I think we can all agree. I would leave her alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you have a very interesting patient because she probably falls into one of these categories of, at least initially, 
the indolent mantle cell where we don't have to rush in and treat because you really didn't do too much initially and then she was lost to follow up so by the time you saw her back Mm -hmm. she was already three years and she should have been dead by that because if you look at the old analysis of mantle cell the majority of those patients were dead by three Mm -hmm. years with our newer treatments now we've prolonged that survival and we're out to five years but remember the mantle cells are a mixed bag and they're indolent and they're aggressive and I think we can make a decision on that by watching them a while which is what you did she did come back. It sounds like you made a decision that she needed treatment. Our chop has been used all the time. Remember that it's 94% overall responses. 48% of those patients get complete responses. But the duration of the response is exactly what your patient had. It's 15 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at a recent study completed by Mitch Smith at ECOG, he did the same thing with mantle cell patients, except instead of giving them six cycles of RCHOP, he gave them four cycles of RCHOP and consolidated them with radioimmunotherapy. And those patients doubled their duration of response. I like that for an older patient. There are many, many new agents out there, but I personally, with her pancytopenia, not much disease now, it doesn't sound like she's terribly symptomatic, I would leave her alone. Certainly, you have some options to think about down the road. Lenalidomide is effective. You haven't even used Velcade, which is approved, and if Mm -hmm. she doesn't have a lot of neurotoxicity, I don't have lots of trouble in older patients unless she has underlying diabetes and neuropathy that's a problem. Generally, how do you integrate bortezomib into the management of mantle cell? It's approved for relapsed mantle cell, and I use it quite often off of study, and I get very good responses. I actually have a patient very similar to yours, except she's younger. We've already harvested her cells and put them away for transplant. And if you're going to transplant a mantle cell, you should transplant them up front. You're going to give them cytoreductive therapy, and then you're going to transplant them. Well, you know, not everyone can tolerate hyperceivat. A lot of people are doing an R-CHOP, and if they get a good response, then consolidate them with a transplant. So Julie Vos did do a retrospective study looking at RCHOMP versus hyper-CVAD in mantle cell and then bringing them to transplant. And her retrospective study looked like hyper-CVAD is better. Their survival after transplant seemed a little bit longer. But that was, the patients were treated in the community. You're not really sure which ones got selected, the hyper-CVAD, which ones had the RCHOP, whether there was selection bias. So we don't know that answer. I think if you transplant, though, you do it as consolidation frontline. In this patient I was telling you about, we harvested her stem cells, and then for some reason after diagnosis, she just decided she didn't want her transplant. She's done well. She's had a very slow relapse over the past five years, and it's always in the right neck. And so we got away with radioimmunotherapy, kept her in remission for another year. She just relapsed. I'm using Velcate within the first cycle. She Total disappearance of her neck mass. So I think that there are these patients that are more indolent, and I think you'll do fine with her by just watching. When you use Velcate, do you use it just as a single agent or in combination? I use the day 1, 4, 8, and 11, and I usually don't add rituximab. I just do it by the label indication. There is, again, probably if the patient had responded to R before and it's been more than six months, you can certainly add the R to it. It adds a little bit more toxicity. 
What about research approaches in terms of bringing both bortezomib and or lenalidomide earlier? Yeah. So Brad Cull has looked at a modified hyper-CVAD regimen that was actually reported at ASH a couple years ago. It was a small study, 22 patients, but they were bad players. Many of them were over the age of 70. And he actually, when he says modified hyper-CVAD, he eliminated the methotrexate ARC, which is the worst part of the regimen. And those patients have done relatively well. What he added to that was a rituxan maintenance. And so he had an update of that, and he still has 90% of those patients alive after two-and-a-half-year follow-up. The new trial that just closed with ECOG that also Brad Cull has chaired, adding Velcade up front to a modified hyper-CVAD regimen. So again, infusional, cytoxin, same thing as hyper-CVAD, but no methotrexate, no ARC, bortezomib up front along with vincristine. I think we have to really look at the neurotoxicity in that. But we put two patients at our institution on that ECOG trial, and they were in complete remission after three cycles. So it's a very effective regimen. Moving those drugs up front is very important. Lenalidomide will be moved up front in some of the trials.